0: So in the you-
1: 2 Corinthians chapter 6, turn me up just a shade. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16. For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Matthew chapter 7, verse 11, verse 9. Of what man is there among you? If his son asks for bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask Him? For the Lord says, I've given you a promise, as it were, to be my sons and to be my daughters, Come separate, come be separate, come be holy before me, says the Lord. Separate yourself from all that is unclean, all that is filled with iniquity, even in the world, says the Lord. And I will not only call you sons and daughters, but I will cause a cleansing to come to your flesh and to your spirit. For as you cry out for the spirit of the fear of the Lord, I will send the spirit of judgment and even of burning, says the Lord. And I will cause, as it were, a purging and a cleansing to come to your spirit and of your flesh. And as you separate yourself, the Lord says, I will call you my son and I will call you my daughter. And the Lord says, anything that you ask in my name, I will not keep back from you. For if I be for you, who can be against you? I who spared not my own son, but delivered him up for you all. Will I not also freely give you all things? For all things are in your hand unto those who separate themselves unto me. For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in a high and holy place with him who is of a humble and contrite spirit. To revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the spirit of the contrite one, says the Lord. So rise, my people, cleanse your hands, Purify your hearts. Ascend into my house, says the Lord. Ask what you will, and I will deliver unto you in this day and this hour. Arise and shine, for my glory is risen upon you. And the Lord says, I will set you as it were on a hill. And the light of my glory shall rise upon you, says the Lord. And I will cause you to be my sons and daughters in that age. For truly my spirit I place within you. To be as a light to the nations, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Give Him praise. Hallelujah. Let's go back into another song. Turn me up just a shade. Let's go back into another prophetic song or whatever you guys got. Amen. There's glory in the house. Amen. I want everybody to stand. Everybody stand. If you need healing in your body this morning, I want you to lift your hands to the Lord this morning. Everybody stand. Come on.
0: Your
1: out of the glory receive your healing out of the glory out of the glory receive your healing this morning father in the name of jesus i pray oh god your angels of healing will be released even the angels under the order of raphael be released in this house ministers of healing be let glory rise in this house just receive your healing this morning lift up your hands to the Lord hallelujah hallelujah there's somebody here with and there's probably more than one I don't know if you got high blood pressure I want you to come on up you got high blood pressure Praising, keep praising, pray, keep praising. Hallelujah. We could have some of our ministry team come on up. Hallelujah, high blood pressure. I want you to keep singing in the spirit, come on. Sing about his healing grace, his healing power, his healing anointing. of high blood pressure Father, in the name of Jesus. Off of each one of these in the name of Jesus. We break the curse of high blood pressure in the name of Jesus. Command all blood pressure go to normal levels right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Be made whole. Be made whole now. Right now. In the name of Jesus. All high blood pressure go down, 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 down. In the name of normal levels, normal levels, normal levels. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. There's somebody here with you got some sort of throat restriction. You've got, I don't know if you got it, you're having trouble swallowing or you've got some sort of throat restriction. You've got, I want you to come up right now. Is that come up, come up right now. Come come over to this side. Come over this side. I want to pray for you right here. I heard the name Stuart. I don't know if there's a Stuart here today or you know a Stuart or if you're from Stuart. Uh, (laughs) Is there anybody like that this morning? Anybody that relates to the name Stuart? That's your family line? Stuart, come up here. Come up here. Okay, is that your mother's side or your father's side? Your mother's side. Okay, so so the Lord wants to break a generational curse off your mother's line, okay? And, and so I want you to stretch forth your hands right now. So, so Father, in the name of Jesus, even as Vicki is a representative of the Stewart family in the name of Jesus, right now, I want you to repeat this after me, Vicki. Say, I repent for every sin in the Stuart family going back four generations that has brought a curse on the the Stuart line. I repent of those sins that have brought this curse in the name of Jesus. And I thank you for your blood that covers these iniquities in the name of Jesus. And I now break curse over the Stewart family in the name of Jesus. And I declare and I decree that they're coming into the kingdom, into the church, in the name of Jesus. All right, now I want you to begin to pray for the Stewart family line right now, church. Come on. Begin to pray in the spirit. Father, in the name of Jesus, we claim the Stewart line, this family line. For your kingdom in the name of Jesus. We break every demonic force, every antichrist spirit, every spirit of rebellion in the name of Jesus. We claim their souls for the kingdom of God. And right now we pray God that you would send laborers to minister the living gospel of Christ to the Stuart line in the name of Jesus. We thank you for the redemption of the name of the line, of the Stuart line. Lord, that they would no longer serve the works of darkness, but they would serve the living God. We command them right now to come into the kingdom, into the church, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Give Him praise, church. Give him the glory. Hallelujah. Stuart Stuart family as well. Uh, 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 their name's Stuart? His name is Stuart. Okay. First name or last name. First name. okay, let's just agree for Stuart. as a friend of the family you said. He's not born again, right? He's not he doesn't know the Lord. All right, church, come on. Let's pray for Stuart. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we lift up Stuart to you right now, God. In the name of Jesus, we pray, God, that you would grant him repentance to the acknowledging of his sin in the name of Jesus. We pray, God, that it would humble himself under your mighty hand, that he would turn to you and receive you in the name of Jesus. We pray for the spirit of conviction to come on Stuart right now. In the name of Jesus, we pray, God, that you would send labors to minister the life-giving gospel to Stuart right now, in the name of Jesus. We claim his soul for the kingdom of heaven, in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord God, that he'll be saved, Father, in the coming year, in the name of Jesus. We give you praise. We give you the glory for it. Jesus' mighty, mighty name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Give him praise, church. Give him glory. Worship team, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful job this morning. Yeah. Hallelujah. We're going to get right into the word this morning. Again, I want to remind you, if you happen to come in late, that we got 20 more copies of the Jesus Fast book uh, on the back table, only $10. Uh, so this is a big part of what we're Doing this year, what the Lord has led us to do regarding fasting. So, we recommend you buy a copy um, on the back table. It is uh, self served. We could get the cameras rolling this morning. This is a prophetic word from the Lord. And if you have your Bibles this morning, turn with me to the book of Numbers, the book of Numbers, chapter 6. The title of this message this morning is A New Order of Nazarites. Let's pray. Father, I pray, God, for the next few moments that you would anoint my tongue, that it would be, as it were, the pen of a ready writer to speak a word in season that would bring repentance, that would bring restoration, that would bring revelation to your people, God. Father, thank you, Lord, for ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church, and we'll be careful to give you the praise and glory. In Jesus' mighty name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. This message was birthed out of a prophetic word that was released this past Monday during Awakening House of Prayer. It was a prophetic word regarding Nazarites, and I will be re-releasing that word after the message this morning. It's very impactful, and uh, so I. Uh, this is where this message was birthed. A lot of my messages are actually birthed out of the House of Prayer. This is one of them, and it is very prophetic. And I believe it's very apropos. So let's talk this morning first about uh, the Nazarite vowel. Uh, The word Nazarite comes from a Hebrew term called Nazar, and it means to consecrate. Say with me, consecrate. And it is derived from the Hebrew word Nazar, N-A-Z-A-R, meaning to separate. Now, you can spell the word Nazarite with an A or an I. Uh, the New King James Version uh, spells it with an I, so I was consistent with my teaching this morning, and we're going to stick with I. So N A Z. A-R-I-T-E. Amen. So with the Nazarites, there are certain vows that they took in the Old Testament. So beginning with Numbers chapter 6, let's begin reading at verse 1. And it says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When either a man or a woman, say with me, a man or a woman, Consecrates an offering to take the vow, say with me, vow, of a Nazarite to separate himself. Say with me, separate himself to the Lord. All right, so in this passage of scriptures, at the law of first mention, this is the first time that the word Nazarite is mentioned in the Bible. And he specifies three things in this verse. Number one, who is separated? We know that a Nazarite can be a man or a woman. By what is it separated? It's separated by an offering and by a vow. And number three, to whom is one separated? They're separated unto the Lord. Now, Nazarite vows are usually made for 30 days and up to 100 days. And we're going to talk about, there are two exceptions, actually three exceptions in the Bible of those who are consecrated unto the Lord to be Nazarites for life. That means their entire life. And I thought about that this morning. And, you know, Samuel was one of those Nazirites, so I really wonder how long his hair really was. It must have been down, all the way down to the floor, uh, because he was never allowed to cut his hair. Amen? And same with Samson, of course, we know what happened with him. We're going to go over that this morning. Amen? But normally, a Nazirite vow is a vow for only 30 days and up to 100 days. So under Old Testament law, a Nazarite was to complete his Nazirite vow by making three offerings. A burnt offering, a sin offering, and a peace offering, after which he would cut his hair and put his hair underneath the peace offering, and that was actually at the gate of the temple. All right, so the Nazarite vow, number one, is a vow of separation. Number two... The Nazarite vow is a vow of sobriety. Numbers chapter 6, let's continue, verse 3. He shall separate himself from wine, say with me, wine, and similar drink. He shall drink neither vinegar made from wine nor vinegar made from similar drink, neither shall he drink any grape juice, nor eat fresh grapes or raisins. All the days of his separation, he shall eat nothing that is produced by the grapevine from sea seed to skin. So we see that there is a vow of separation, a vow of sobriety. Number three, a vow of sanctification. Let's continue reading verse four. Number six, verse three and four. All the days of his vow, of his separation, no razor shall come upon his head until the days are fulfilled for which he has separated himself to the Lord. He shall be holy. Say with me, holy. Then he shall let the locks of his hair of his head grow. So the long hair of a Nazarite is a symbol of his vow of sanctification to the Lord to be holy. Number four, there's also a vow of sanitation. Sanitation. Numbers chapter 6 and verse 6. All the days that he separates himself to the Lord, he shall not go near a dead body. He shall not make himself unclean, say with me, unclean, even for his father or his mother, for his brother or sister when they die, because his separation to God is on his head. All the days of a separation he shall be holy to the Lord. So we see that the Nazarite vow is a vow of separation, sobriety, sanctification, and sanitation. Now, there are two Old Testament men who were divinely appointed as Nazarites for life. That means their entire life, they lived their life as a Nazarite. And interestingly enough, both were born of women that were previously barren. They were barren. So the first person we want to talk about is Samson. He was a fallen Nazarite judge. And in Judges chapter 13, verse 7, it says, And he said to me, this is to uh, Samuel, uh, Samson's mother, Behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. Now drink no wine or similar drink, nor eat anything unclean, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God. From the womb... the day of his death. So we know that Samson was uh, consecrated from birth until his death to be as a Nazarite unto the Lord. So I'm going to talk about a few characteristics about Samson. Amen. Number one, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. If you look in the passages of Scripture, there's four of them, where the Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson. Samson's consecration as a Nazarite to God For life, empowered him with supernatural strength. How? By the Spirit of the Lord to operate in the office of judge of Israel. How many know that there were judges that God appointed in Israel to judge Israel and to judge the nations that came against Israel? And so Samson was one of those judges. Deborah was one of those judges, amen? Gideon was one of those judges. Samson was one of those judges who was strengthened with the spirit of the fear of the Lord, or the spirit of the Lord with supernatural strength to actually judge the enemies of Israel. So his strength, it didn't come from his long hair. It came by the spirit of the Lord, amen? So just because you grow long hair... You can't say you're a Nazirite because how many know that you're a Nazirite inwardly before you are one outwardly? There's people that go around uh, going with long hair, but it may be just a spirit of rebellion. Amen. It's not a Nazirite vow. Amen. Where are you supposed to laugh? Amen. Amen. So his strength came from the Spirit of the Lord. So if you look in Judges chapter 13, verse 24... It says, so the woman bore a son and called his name Samson, and the child grew and the Lord blessed him, and the Spirit of the Lord began to move upon him. Now how many of you know that the Spirit of the Lord is one of the seven spirits of God that are mentioned In Isaiah chapter 11, there are seven spirits of God. These are attributes of the Holy Spirit. Now, how many know when you got born again, the Holy Spirit came to live in you, and so you have access to the seven spirits of God? The spirit of of the Lord, the spirit of wisdom, counsel, might, understanding, knowledge, and of the fear of the Lord. And so the spirit of the Lord is what gave him the might or the strength to execute judgment on the Philistines. We see in Judges chapter 14, verse 6, It says, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he tore the lion apart as one would have torn apart a young goat, though he had nothing in his hand. He had such supernatural strength. Why? Because the Spirit of the Lord was upon him that he uh, tore apart a lion as if it was a goat. In another instance, in Judges 14, verse 19, it says, Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily, And he went down to Ashkelon and killed 30 of their men, took their apparel, and gave their changes of clothes to those who explained the riddle. Now, he was done wrong, and he was using a righteous judgment in that case because the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he executed judgment on these men that had betrayed him. In Judges chapter 15, verse 14, it says, And when he came to Lehi, the Philistines came shouting against him, Listen now. Then the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and the ropes that were on his arms became like flax that is burned with the fire, and his bonds uh, broke loose from his hands. Verse fifteen. He found a fresh jawbone of a donkey, reached out his hand and took it, and killed a thousand men with it. How many of you know that's pretty impressive? How many of you seen the old uh, movie about Samson? With Victor Mature, he played Samson. Amen, and it was pretty amazing. He would he'd take that thing, and I mean, he was even breaking uh, their their helmets. I, I don't know if you remember watching. Maybe you need to go this afternoon and go watch the old Samson movie, and get inspired. I remember when I was a kid, I would uh, you know watch Moses, or I would watch um, you know Samson, and I watch some of these old movies, and I'd be all inspired to serve the Lord. I'd be, oh, I'm going to be, and then that would last about a day. Amen. <laughs> How many know we can't live in those times? We need to be inspired every day, not from an old movie, by, by the Spirit of the Lord that lives within us. Amen? So notice that after these four instances, never again is it mentioned that the Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson. After those four times, it never was said that the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. In fact, Judges 15 ends with this statement in verse 20. Judges 15, verse 20. And he judged, talking of Samson, he judged Israel 20 years in the days of the Philistines. Now, if you look in Scripture, when it it gives a summary passage like this, that's the end of the dialogue. That is the end of the documentation. That is the end uh, of speaking about this particular person. And so, but in this case, he goes on into chapter 16, after it says that he had judged uh, uh, for 20 years. Why? Because his judgment was only valid when the Spirit of the Lord was upon him. After the Spirit of the Lord left, because the Spirit of the Lord authorized him as a judge. How many know that judge was in office, in the Old Testament office, a judge? And so as long as the Spirit of the Lord was upon him, he was authorized to operate as a judge. But it says here that he judged 20 years. End of story. But it goes on to tell us what happened to Samson in chapter 16. Amen? And so if you have your Bible, turn to Judges 16. So what happened to Samson? We're going to find out. Judges chapter 16, verse 1. Now, Samson went to Gaza, and he saw a harlot. Say with me, a harlot. harlot. And he went into her. So everybody knows what that means, right? Don't have to explain that one. All right? So Samson's fornication marked the beginning of a series of sexual sins that led to his downfall. Sound familiar? We see a lot of that in the body of Christ today. And so after that, in verse 3, it said, Samson lay low till midnight. Then he arose at midnight and took hold of the doors of the gate of the city and the two gateposts, pulled them up, bar and all, put them on his shoulders, and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. So you may be saying, well, how could he do that? The Spirit of the Lord wasn't upon him. It didn't say, it didn't say the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. He just said, in his own strength, he moved those gates. Amen? I propose this morning that that which is not performed by the Spirit of the Lord is most often not of the Lord. Amen? You see, the anointing will continue operating for a while when one goes into the temptation of sin. Why? Because God is gracious and He's merciful. In His grace, in His mercy, He gives us time to repent of our infidelity. Amen? We go on to verse 4. Judges 16, verse 4. Afterward, it happened that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek whose name was Delilah. Now, you all remember Samson and Delilah. Again, I'm referring to the old movie, but unless you've read the scripture, maybe that's all you know. Amen. And the lords of the Philistines, how many know the Philistines were the enemies of Israel at that time? And God had sent and equipped and empowered uh, Samson to judge. The Philistines. And so he actually went and had relations with the Philistine woman. How many know he got into the enemy's camp? Amen? And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, entice him and find out where his great strength lies and by what means we may overpower him that we may bind him to afflict him. And every one of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. That's a lot of money. Amen? Back in that day. You see, when the enemy finds your weakness, he will exploit your weakness so that he can destroy you. And so Samson's strength left him when he betrayed the Lord and committed his heart to Delilah. And in Judges chapter 16, verse 20, it says, so, so she kept enticing him. Tell me the secret of your strength. And he would, he would, he would tell her lies, you know. And they would tie him up in his sleep, and he'd break out. But, well, you lied to me again. You don't love me. You lied to me again. You lied to me again. You know, and so finally he succumbed and told her, if you cut the seven locks of my hair, I'll be as weak as any other man. And so they had tied him up, but this time he couldn't break out. And it says in Judges 16, 20, but he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. I don't know about you, but that's one of the worst things you can have happen. Remember, uh, in one of the Psalms, David said, Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Amen? But that's what happened. He gave him some opportunity to turn from his wickedness, from his idolatry, from his wicked ways. And he did not, and the Lord had departed from him. The Spirit of the Lord was no longer upon Samson to anoint him as judge, Over Israel and to judge the nation of the Philistines. You see, Samson ceased operating as a judge of Israel because he failed to judge himself. The Bible says if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we would not be condemned with the world. There's three stages of judgment. Judge yourself. Number 2, if you don't judge yourself, there'll be the chastening of the Lord. The Lord will chasten you. He will judge you. And if you don't submit to the chastening of the Lord, the Bible says you'll be condemned with the world. Amen. So, later on, we know we know what happened. You know, he got captured. They took his eyes out and they put him in a mill and he was milling around a mill. As a, as a, you know, basically a showpiece. He was like a circus star for the Philistines. He would demonstrate his strength. And he, we know that he had an opportunity to kill all these people, amen? And, but when Samson slayed the 3,000, there was 3,000 Philistines that died when he pushed the pillars And they they died. But it it wasn't catalyzed by the vengeance of the Lord. It was catalyzed by his vengeance. There's a difference. How many know that the Lord has vengeance? The Bible talks about garments of vengeance. When you partake of the burden of the Lord and you walk in the vengeance of God, that's one thing. But when you go in your vengeance, that's a problem. The Bible said, vengeance is mine. I will repay. Not you will repay. He will repay. Amen? Amen? And if you look in Judges... 16 verse 28 said, Then Samson called to the Lord, saying, O Lord God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray, just this once, O God, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. See, it was inspired not by the Spirit of the Lord. It was his vengeance that did it. It wasn't the Spirit of the Lord. Listen, Judges chapter 16 verse 30. Then Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines, and he pushed with all his might. It didn't say the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. It said he pushed with all his might. It wasn't the Lord that was doing it. It was he that was doing it. Amen? And the temple fell on the lords and the people who were in it. And the dead that he killed at his death were more than he had killed in his life. It's really a sad commentary. Amen? Let's go on to a nicer one. So Samson was a Nazarite, sanctified under the Lord from birth to the end of his death. There was another man by the name of Samuel, who was consecrated by the Lord by petition of his mother Hannah. So, if we look in First Samuel chapter one, if you want, you want to turn over there. First Samuel chapter one. You getting anything out of this? You guys are quiet this morning. First Samuel chapter one. Just say you're processing. You're processing. I'm going somewhere with this message. Don't worry. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 11. Then Hannah made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant and will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head. So she made a vow to the Lord. If you give me a male child, I'm going to give this child to the Lord. Samuel. Amen? Ryan and Kelly just had a son named Samuel. Praise God. That's prophetic. That's for you guys. That's for you guys right there. That's the word of the Lord. Amen? So number one, I want to give you three characteristics about Samuel. Number one, Samuel ministered to the Lord. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1. Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. Say with me, before Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. There wasn't any prophetic word. It was very rare that the word of the Lord came forth. You see, authentic words from the Lord are rare when prophets minister to the people before the Lord instead of ministering to the Lord before the people. That's why you got a lot of false prophecy going on, because people are ministering to others before the Lord instead of ministering to the Lord before the people. There's a difference. Our ministry should always be to the Lord first and then to the people. And that's one reason why authentic prophecy a lot of times is not evident in the church because we got it backwards because people are looking to build their own platform and to be a peacock. Amen? Right? Let me show you all my wonderful feathers. Right? It's a bunch of garbage, right? Amen. All right. You guys are really quiet this morning. Taking it in. Taking it in. All right. one, One person excited. All right. All right, so number one, Samuel ministered to the Lord. Number two, Samuel feared God more than man. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 15. What happened? Eli began to hear the Lord. Someone's calling his name. So he went to Eli. What do you want? He says, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. You can hear the Lord. Samuel, Samuel. Yeah, I'm here. What do you want? I didn't call you. The Lord's speaking to you. Go listen to him. So the Lord, in the night, gives Samuel a young, I don't know if he's a child or a young boy, but but, but he got a download, a prophetic word for Eli, and it wasn't good. (laughs) Wasn't a good word. Now everyone wants to hear the good word of the Lord, but nobody wants to deliver bad news. Amen? So he got a revelation that Eli and his sons would be judged and their entire line would be cut off. Because Eli failed to judge his two sons that was having sex with girls in front of the temple. He wouldn't judge them. How many know that judgment, righteous judgment in the house is necessary for apostolic ministry to come into the fullness? We're going to talk about that in a minute. Amen? All right. First Samuel chapter 3, verse 15. Then Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision. Why? Because it was bad news. And Eli says, you need to tell me what the Lord said. And verse 18, it said, then Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. See, authentic prophecy is the product of not only seeking the Lord or ministering to the Lord before the people, but is also defined by fearing God more than man. The Bible says that the fear of man brings a snare. Amen? The fear of man ensnares prophets, causing them to deliver only the good word of the Lord, instead of in the fear of the Lord, delivering the truth that will set men free. I remember uh, I was on a trip to Singapore. This was a while ago. It was probably ten years ago. I, was on a, I did a prophetic training in Singapore, and we had groups of ministry. And I was paired with this other woman who was a prophetess. And there was a couple that came up. And I was sensing there was something wrong with that couple. But I didn't prophesy what I really saw. And I gave them a good word. And the lady next to me, she told them what, you know, what they didn't want to hear. But it brought repentance to them. They began to weep before the Lord. And they, there was repentance there. And that was the true word of the Lord. So we need to be able to fear the Lord more than fearing man. Amen. Number three, none of his words fell to the ground. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 19. So Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all of Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel had been established. Say with me, established. Established as a prophet of The Lord. So Samuel's ministry to the Lord before the people and the fear of the Lord caused his prophecies and his prophetic ministry to be established. Amen. You know, there's a lot of people prophesying, doing a lot of things, but the Lord's establishment is based on your ministry to Him. And walking in the fear of the Lord. Everybody's wanting to establish their own platform. I don't know about you, but I want the only platform I want to stand is the one the Lord's built. Amen. we got all these people trying to build their ministry on social media, doing all this stuff. And God has nothing at all to do with it. Amen. I would rather humble myself under the mighty hand of God and let him exalt in due season. Amen. All right. So, there's an old order of Nazarites and there's a new order. How many know there's a new order of Nazarites that God's raising up in this hour? Yes. So, there's the old order in the Old Testament and there's a new order of Nazarites that God's raising up in this day and this hour. Now, John the Baptist, John the Baptist was a Nazarite for life. Now, even though he's considered an Old Testament prophet, he's written up in the New Testament. Okay? So we're going to talk about him as if he was a New Testament prophet. And also, Apostle Paul, in two instances in the book of Acts, had performed a Nazarite vow twice, two different times in the New Testament. If you want to know the references for that, it's Acts chapter 18, verse 18, and Acts chapter 21, verse 23 through 26. Now, how many know that like the old order of Nazarites that there were vows that were taken how many know that there are new order vows for Nazarites we're going to go over those. you're not excited about that I don't want to hear anybody saying amen you're processing Okay, I'll just keep reminding myself of that amen so there are also four vows of the new order Nazarite does anybody want to know what they are or should I close it right now Okay. All right. All right. So the first vow, number one, is a vow of worldly nonconformance. Now, these notes are going out. I see people writing notes. These notes are going out Wednesday morning, so you don't have to write these notes, all 12 pages of them. All right. Number one, a vow of worldly nonconformance. You see, New Order, Nazarite's vow... Are not only to separate themselves to the Lord, but to separate themselves from the world. Amen. Romans 12.1. Paul said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Say with me. A living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable form of worship or your reasonable form of service. So just like in the Old Testament that they presented three offerings uh, when their vow was finished, God requires an offering of you. And it's this flesh. Present yourself. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy unto God. How many know that you're a priest and a king unto our our God? That we're a holy priesthood. Amen. And we have to offer sacrifices, not for sin, but sacrifices before God as priests that are well-pleasing to God. One of them is this one. To present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Amen? So i got a question for you this morning. How does a Nazarite offer their body a living sacrifice? Romans chapter 12, verse 2 tells us. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed. Amen? How I many you know when you become a Christian, there's a transformation that takes place? It's not turning over a new leaf. It's not no a way, new way of thinking. There's actually a spiritual transformation that takes place. When you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that your spirit, man, goes from death to life. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Amen? You become a new person. Transformed. We're not to be conformed to this world. What's in the world? 1 John 2.16, all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And Peter says that we are to escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. So when we offer our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, we're asking for a fresh baptism of fire. Amen a baptism of fire that will release upon us the spirit of judgment that causes us to confess our sin, amen, and the spirit of burning that will cleanse us of our sin, amen, Amen. to cleanse our flesh and our spirit of all filthiness that we would be perfected in holiness in the fear of the Lord, amen. Now, a lot of times today you hear about the grace message, Amen. They want to use the grace of God as a license to sin. But how many know that God intends us to use His grace as a weapon to deny ungodliness and worldly lust? God gives us His grace not to excuse sin, but to overcome sin. Amen. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God, say with me, the grace of God, that brings salvation as appeared to all men. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should be soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. That's what God's grace will do for you. It won't cause you to excuse sin or make an excuse for sin. But no, His grace will empower you to say no to sin. That's what He intended. So the vow of a new order, uh, order uh, Nazarite is a vow of worldly nonconformance. Number two, a vow of repentance from dead works. So while old order Nazarites abstained from touch, touching dead bodies, new order Nazarites must vow to repent and abstain from all spiritually dead words, works, and ways. Dead works includes adherence to the traditions of men which make the commandments of God ineffective. Matthew chapter 15, verse 6, Jesus said, Thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. Paul, in his letter to the Colossians, says, If you have died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why as though living in the world do you subject yourselves to regulations? Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle which all concern things which perish with the using according to the commandments and the doctrines of men. These things have the appearance of wisdom and self-imposed religion, false humility and neglect of the body, but have no value to the indulgence of the flesh. You see, the traditions of men involve the performance of dead Religious activities that are steeped in false humility. These dead traditions have the appearance of wisdom, but they have no value against the lust of the flesh. They have a form of godliness, but they deny its power. Amen? Dead works have the appearance of godliness, but have no power to produce holiness. How many know that the epitome of what he's talking about here is the Pharisees? The religious spirit, religious demon is the meanest devil you'll ever meet. Amen? Pharisees outwardly appeared to be righteous, but they were unclean, unrighteous, unholy, full of hypocrisy, rebellion, and dead works. The exact opposite of a new order, Nazarite. Matthew chapter 23, verse 27. I love Jesus. He just calls it like he sees it. Amen? Amen? Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside they're full of dead man's bones and all uncleanness. Even so, you outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. In Matthew 23, Jesus, to their face, called the Pharisees blind no less than five times. In one place, he called them fools and blind twice. Twice he called them blind guys, and he called them also blind Pharisees. The Pharisees, who are in their hypocrisy, outwardly appeared righteous, but they were spiritually blind because of their rebellion and their lawlessness. Samson was blind. To Delilah's deceptions, because in his lawlessness, Samson departed from the Lord. Samson not only lost his spiritual sight, but he lost his natural sight. Judges 16, 21. The Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza. All right. So the vows of a new order. Nazarite, a vow of of worldly nonconformance, a vow of repentance from dead works. Number three a vow of sobriety and spirit-filled living. You see, New Order Nazarites make not only a vow of sobriety, but also a vow to live the spirit-filled life. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation. That word dissipation means debauchery, depravity, wickedness, and corruption. But be filled with the Spirit. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 6. Paul says, Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. Let us, who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. You see, Samson, who was a Nazarite from birth, fell asleep in the lap of the enemy. Judges 16, verse 19, it says, She lulled him to sleep on her knees and called for a man and had him shave off the seven locks on his head. He was lulled to sleep because he was not sober. He was not vigilant. Amen? One moment of weakness devoured Samson's strength and greatly diminished his effectiveness as God's judge over Israel. Peter says in his letter, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's always looking to devour us. Number four, the fourth vow of a new order, Nazarite, is a vow to abide in God's glory. You see, the long hair of a Nazarite is a symbol of his vow of sanctification to the Lord. You see, hair represents glory and a covering. In 1 Corinthians 11.15 it says, But if a woman has long hair... It is a glory to her, for her hair is given to her for a covering. In Isaiah chapter 4, verse 5, it says, The Lord will create above the dwelling place of Mount Zion, that's the church, and above her assemblies, a cloud of smoke by day and a shining of a flaming fire by night. Listen now, for over all the glory there will be a covering. Psalm 91, verse 4, He shall cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you shall take refuge. So, long hair is symbolic of one who stays under the covering of God's glory, abiding under the shadow of His wings. The glory of the Lord is also an agent of sanctification. We talk about a separation sanctification that a Nazarite needs to go over. How many know that the glory of God is a sanctifying agent? The word of God sanctifies us, the Holy Spirit sanctifies us, the blood of Jesus sanctifies us, but also the glory sanctifies us. Exodus chapter 29 verse 43, and there I will meet with the children of Israel and the tabernacle shall be sanctified by my glory. Amen? How many know that God wants to sanctify this temple? How many know you're the temple of the Holy Spirit? He wants to sanctify you. He wants to make you holy, not just a building. How many know that He lives in you? So He wants to sanctify His temples with the glory of the Lord. And that's one of the vows of a Nazarite, a New Order Nazarite, is to abide in God's glory. You see, New Order Nazarites... May, be, may, may symbolize their sanctification by wearing long hair, but are more importantly characterized by abiding in the glory. That's how you can tell when a New Testament Nazarite lives in the glory, in the glory realm. All right. Now, Samson was a judge, and Samuel was a prophet. Okay, this is important. This this is the punchline of this message. Anyway, Samson was a judge. Samuel was a prophet. You see, God never intended his people, Israel, to be ruled by kings, but instead ruled by judges. But what did the people begin to clamor? "We We want a king. We want to be like all the other nations. We want to be a king. And Samuel wasn't happy with that. And he complained to the Lord. He said, these people are saying, he said, and the Lord says to Sam, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting me. And 1 Samuel 8:6 6, said, but this thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. No, the Lord gave them judges because the Lord wanted to be their king. And he still does. Amen? And so he finally gave him a king. And you know what happened, right? After dozens... Of unrighteous kings, Israel was corrupted by sin, and the Lord made a promise to restore the judges. I want you to see this now. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 25. It says, I will turn my hand against you and thoroughly purge away your dross and take away your sins. Listen. I will restore your judges. As at the first... And your counselors say with me, counselors, as at the beginning. So before you had judges and you had prophets, how many know the counselors and the prophets are really the same thing? You had judges and you had prophets. He said, I'm gonna restore both of them to you. I'm gonna restore judges and restore your counselors. Afterward, you should be called the city of righteousness, the faithful city. Verse 27, Zion. Anytime the Bible talks about Zion, he's talking about the church. Zion shall be redeemed with justice and her penitence with righteousness. Amen. Yeah. To be restoring the judges and the counselors or the prophets. Alright. So the restoration of judges, this is now. This is now, guys. The restoration of judges is being fulfilled through the ministry of the apostle in the New Testament. The restoration of counselors is being fulfilled through the ministry of the prophet in the New Testament. And Isaiah clarifies the function of judges and counselors, which is like that of apostles and prophets. By this statement, Isaiah 16, verse 3, take counsel... Execute judgment. Say it with me, take counsel, execute judgment. Take counsel, execute judgment. All right. So, apostles take counsel from prophets and then execute judgment in the New Testament. Does that make sense? All right. So, the counselors are akin to the prophets who preach repentance and produce righteousness. In the foundation of the church. Amen? Judges are akin to apostles who execute righteous judgment that releases justice into our foundation. Why is that important? Psalm 89, verse 14. Righteousness and justice are what? The foundation. The what? The foundation. The what? The foundation. The what? foundation. Righteousness and justice are the foundation. Of your throne. I got news for you. Righteousness and justice are also the foundation of his church. And what does Ephesians 2 say? It says, You are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Say with me, the household of God. And we know that the household of God is a foundation. What's in the foundation? Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Okay. So how is God restoring judges and counselors by restoring prophets and apostles to the foundation, producing righteousness and justice in the foundation? Amen so that we can become not only a holy temple in the Lord, but also a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Amen? That's where we're going, church. Now let's bring this back into the New Testament. Again, we know that Samson was a judge. Samuel was a prophet. Now John the Baptist was also consecrated as a Nazarite from birth, a Nazarite for life, John the Baptist, who was a prophet. And this is what Jesus said about John the Baptist. Luke chapter 7, verse 28. For I say to you among those born of woman, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. No other greater prophet than John the Baptist who happens to be a Nazarite. Pretty good stock, amen? So John the Baptist is declared a Nazarite from Gabriel, who came to Zechariah, his father, in Luke chapter 1, verse 15. He speaks to Zechariah, his father, and he says, He will be great in the sight of the Lord. He shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. So we see that the stock of the greatest prophet that ever lived was a Nazarite vow that he had taken. God sent him to be the greatest prophet. Amen? And we look at Apostle, what? Apostle Paul. So we got a prophet and we got an apostle. And Paul spread the gospel, discipled entire cities in the New Testament, And was the most influential prophet. How many of his letters have gone all around the world? The greatest apostle, other than Jesus, is Apostle Paul, who also was a Nazarite. You can go look it up. Acts chapter 18, 18. Acts 21. I'm going somewhere with this. I'm going somewhere with this. Amen? So the apostolic and the prophetic foundations that the Lord laid for the New Testament church is grounded in Nazarite vows and practices. Let the new order of Nazarites arise. I want you all to stand. I want you to stand. I'm going to give this prophecy again. Go ahead and stand up. For the Lord says that I am releasing even a proclamation... And edict out of heaven, even this day and this hour, to my called apostles and prophets, that they would take the vow of a Nazarite in this day and in this hour, that even the foundation of my remnant church would be sanctified, consecrated, even as a Nazarite consecrates himself unto the Lord. For the Lord says, in the days ahead, I will call even my apostles, even as judges in the house, They would judge that was imperfect and that which is full of iniquity, even in my house, says the Lord. For I will entrust them with a righteous judgment that comes from the throne room of heaven in that day and in this hour. And the Lord says they shall not as it were be Nazarites even at Samson for he had erred in judgment and judgment came upon him but they will judge righteously in the hours and the days that are ahead says the Lord. I will release as it were the Nazarites even my Samuels in this day and this hour and they will draw a company of prophets in the way. And the Lord says it will not be one or two but it will be hundreds even. Even thousands of my consecrated ones, even my Nazarites, whose words will not fall to the ground. They will not tolerate iniquity in my church, for my church shall be holy, for even as I have called you as being holy, the Lord says, be holy in all of your ways, and all of your words, and all of your works, says the Lord. For the Lord says, I will cause the spirit of repentance to be released, even as John the Baptist consecrated himself as a Nazarite unto me, says the Lord. I will release, as it were, the spirit of judgment and even of burning, and for they Will speak even the judgment of God, the spirit of conviction I will release upon my church. And there will be great travail, there will be great weeping in that hour, says the Lord. And even in that hour, the fire that comes out of the mouths of my prophets shall release a spirit of burning that will cleanse, sanctify, purify a remnant, even in this hour, says the Lord. For I will do a sweeping move, and I will clean my church, and I will release my cleansing angels, even in the release of of the prophetic word, says the Lord. For there is yet a cleansing that is to come, a purification, even a catharsis, says the Lord, even into my church. For my church shall be holy, for in that day and that hour, the Lord says, I will make a holy people unto me. I will then release a canopy of my grace, and truly there will be a fire by night and a cloud by day, says the Lord. And I will cause the cloud of my glory to abide and remain. For there will be a fire platform, a platform full of fire in that day and in that hour. And my prophets and my apostles, they will not traverse that platform unless they've been purged by the fire, says the Lord. And they will not release a word, they will remain in silence, says the Lord until I release my word even from heavenly places, even from the throne room, says the Lord. And in that hour, the Lord says, they will know that there are true prophets and true apostles in the land. And I will not be mocked any longer, says the Lord. For I will raise up my genuine. I will raise up that which is pure, that which is holy, and I will confound the wise and release the powers of the age to come. Even in this hour, says the Lord. And great fear will come upon the people and great light will rise upon my people for they will be as it were a light set upon a hill and yes I will be glorified in that hour so rejoice and take the vow take the vow even of the maverite says the Lord not in what you wear not on how long you grow your hair but be a Nazarite in your heart says the Lord for I am circumcising the hearts of men even in this hour will you be a Nazarite unto me will you Consecrate yourself unto me. For as you fast and as you pray, the Lord says, I will release my power in this hour, says the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Ryan, come on up. Hallelujah. That's how this message came about, that prophetic word that was released this past Monday. How many of you want to consecrate yourself as a new order at Nazarite? I'm going to lead you in a prayer this morning. I want you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, I consecrate and dedicate myself unto you. As a Nazarite of this new order, I present my body a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto you, which is my reasonable form of worship. I will not be conformed to this world, but I desire to be transformed by the renewing of my mind, that I might prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. I forsake the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, in the name of Jesus. And I receive your grace, that I might deny ungodliness and worldly lusts, that I might live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. I vow to repent from all dead works. I forsake all religious activities, all traditions of men, every form of godliness that denies your power. I desire to be filled with the spirit of the Lord and the spirit of might, that I might execute your righteous judgment in the earth, in the name of Jesus. I make a vow of sobriety and spirit-filled living. I will not be drunk with wine, that I will be filled with your Holy Spirit. I desire to be sober, vigilant, so that the enemy will not devour me. I, I vow to abide in your glory. I desire to have this temple sanctified by your glory. I desire to be a son, a daughter of the king. Therefore, I cleanse myself of all filthiness of the spirit and of my flesh that I might be perfected in holiness by the fear of the Lord. I desire to be a part of your apostolic and prophetic foundation. I desire righteousness and justice to be my foundation that I might be a vessel of honor fit for your use, a Nazarite of the new order that is pleasing to you in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Shout under unto God, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If we could have our ministry team come on up, ministry team. If you need special prayer this morning, our ministry team will be here to minister to you. Hallelujah. And maybe you're here this morning and you've not received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. There is a heaven to make and a hell to miss, amen. There's a real God and a real devil, a real heaven and a real hell. There's nothing yet you can do to be good enough to be saved. But our Father sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. He paid for all of your sins, for all sins of all mankind for all time. The Bible says that if we'll repent of our sins. We receive Christ into our heart that He'll make you a new creation. He'll make you born again. You'll be saved. Your name will be written in the Lamb's book of life. If that's you this morning. I just... I want you to pray this prayer with me this morning. I want everybody to pray and encourage those around you. Say with me, Dear God, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I repent of my sins. I humble myself before you. I need a Savior. I'm a sinner. I repent of all my sins. And I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart. Be my Lord be my savior make me a new creation i receive you as my god my lord and savior in jesus name amen if you prayed that prayer for the first time this morning i'm going to ask you to come up to one of these ministers up here the bible says if you'll acknowledge me before men i'll acknowledge you before my father in heaven so if you pray that prayer for the first time or rededicated your life I'm going to invite you to come up and speak to one of these ministers up here. If you need healing in your body this morning, you need a prayer of agreement, our ministers are here to minister to you. Praise God. I'm going to bless you before you go. Just lift up your hands to the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, I bless your church this morning. I declare they're the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. Blessed in the city and blessed in the field. I declare, God, that they are ambassadors of Christ, ministers of reconciliation epistles read of all men, vessels of honor fit for the Master's use. They may have come in as a lamb, but they're going out as a lion this morning. So on the count of three, church, we're going to roar in this church. Ready, church? One, two, three. God bless you. We'll see you tomorrow for Awakening House of Prayer. We'll meet you at the door.